Good morning. Well, the ancient book of wisdom, Proverbs, says pride comes before a fall. The egos of the right-wing freedom movement are what divide us. So many people with fantastic messages and on the right side of truth, justice and liberty are a little too in love with the sound of their own voice and unwilling to offend their own crowd. They love talking about their qualities of not backing down, of refusing to be quiet, of saying what needs to be said, and so on and so forth. It's all euphemisms for pride. Of course, courage and strength is appropriate and necessary in many situations, but that's why it's great camouflage for vanity and ego. This is what really motivates their attacks on others, vulgarity, violence, and 15 months of fame by leveraging a camera and a justified general anger at tyranny. More and more minor parties are not the solution. They are evidence of division and unchecked egos unwilling to contribute to something they don't completely control. Of course, there are a handful of personalities within the right-wing freedom movement who are sober, humble, wise, and measured in their courage and strength. But the culture of pylon arrogance is actually grassroots deep. It's widespread among people who spend too much time on social media, who rush to judgments without understanding, who barricade their echo chamber against any criticism with deep offence at anyone like me, who takes a minute to hold a mirror up to ourselves and ask, if we shouldn't be doing better. Well, we should be doing better. We should be better. In fact, there's so much more I'd like to say, and I actually have to bite my tongue and hold back because of the predictable responses of so many from the right, freedom side, who are not any better and do not want to hear it. They are part of us and they can't be ignored. They must be helped the remnant of faithful, quietly powerful people who can save this nation is actually much smaller than any of us think it is. We need to recruit more, but that means encouraging some people to say more and others to say less, the much harder task. I, I just want to agree with God. I don't want to have him surprised I didn't say or do more. I don't want him shocked at what I said or did either. Many have the understanding of the times, but too few have God's wisdom. The proof is the egos and divisions amongst us since vocal resistance became a way to gain an audience. Again, from that ancient uh, book, Proverbs, wisdom is the principal thing. I'm Dave Pello, and this is Pello Talk. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country.
Well, I hope I haven't described you. I hope you're the kind of person who is secure enough to reflect and actually love the help uh, and uh, assistance from colleagues and allies, uh, brothers and sisters in the movement. I know I am. For a long time, I've craved correction from people who love me, people who I trust, uh, people who I know are on the same side as me. Uh, it's just one of the things that I want uh, to make myself better. I certainly think this applies to me as much as anybody else. Occasionally, I can be too abrasive, too uh, egotistical on Facebook. Uh, and so I don't hold myself um, immune from this criticism and this reflection. I have been doing this a long time, uh, since before it was uh, popular and cool and, and an easy way to build an audience. Uh, but those are also the kind of people that I like to listen to, those people who've uh, been in it for a long time. Now, that doesn't mean the new people have nothing to say. It just means I, I actually want to make sure we're, we're not promoting people too easily who actually could make us look very bad when they fall because we've just grabbed onto them and exalted them far too quickly without knowing anything about them, really. Uh, well, two of the people who I really respect now join me this. And and look, uh, I don't have all the answers. Uh, and so I want to actually talk with, with like-minded, right-thinking people who are intellectually honest enough to tell me the truth and to hear the truth themselves. Uh, and we can debate about this. The goal of this episode is to pursue truth together, not to lecture, but to actually say, can we walk together? And if I'm wrong, uh, and you show me I'm wrong, then I actually win by gaining an asset called the truth, losing a liability called deception and ignorance. That's what I want for my nation, uh, my church, my family, myself. I just want more truth. Uh, the people joining me this morning, uh, who you all know and uh, trust, and if you don't, uh, allow me the pleasure of introducing you to George Christensen. George Christensen has been a uh, member of federal parliament and, and long before that he was interested and involved in journalistic integrity getting to and, and reporting the truth and now after his career in parliament is again dedicated to the research and inquiry and open discussions uh, to tell us what the lying harlot media is lying about or just not telling us at all george christensen welcome to pillow talk well thank you very much for that uh if I was saying it, rather egotistical introduction, but uh, <laughs> thank you, Dave. Um, we're all we're all uh, we're all prone to the uh, to the sin of vanity, though, aren't we? So um, uh, right. something we do have to keep in check. Yeah, definitely. And I'd also like to welcome, for the first time, to the good source, uh, somebody who I've known in this movement long before 2020. I can uh, tell you, is uh, Chris De Bruin from uh, YouTube and Facebook fame channel called Chris Coveries. Chris, welcome to Pillow Talk. Thanks, Dave. Good to be among such esteemed uh, colleagues. Thanks for that fine introduction. And uh, yeah, I hope I can bring some light, reality, honesty, um, but also some reality to, to what we're facing. You, you know, uh, that reality is, uh, is a large pinch of what I think some of us would rather not have. It's a lot easier to talk to ourselves where nobody disagrees and uh, nobody's interested in, in hearing uh, why we might be doing things the wrong way. I mean, if you say that to them, they would say, no, that's not me. But I think the evidence is abundant 
on on social media uh, that the pylon culture is is very alive and well in uh, the right wing and the freedom movement and yes i include myself in that movement and for the for the sake of clarity because I, I got some predictable offense on on facebook this week when i said some of these things uh look you know in and forgive me i've just got biblical references for a lot of things uh, you know there's a book of the bible called chronicles or two books of the bible called chronicles first and second but uh, in chronicles um i think it's chapter 7 verse 14 first chronicles uh, God says to the nation of Israel, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, pray and, and ask for and, and repent, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will put blessing on their land. Um, when he did that, of course, not every single person in the nation was an idolater who had forgotten and abandoned God. But it was still true of the corporate whole that they needed to main, adopt that posture of humility before God. And so that's all I'm endorsing today is let's have a look at ourselves as a movement and not say, no, that's not me, but actually just be honest about it. Chris, can you tell us uh, and maybe take some time to show us some of the, the fine work you do for those people who are fans of The Good Source and, and Pello Talk but um, haven't come across Chris Coverage before? Sure, sure. If I can share my screen, I can show you a little bit of it. I've got some promos here. Uh, I live stream protests. I go to protests and I ask them, a, a, I started with a very simple question, which is tell us why you've come. And it really kicked off uh, during uh, COVID is when I started um, going to protests because I found the 30 second sound bites that I was watching on the evening news wasn't matching the clips and the live streams I was watching on YouTube, Twitter and so new media platforms. And I was looking at them and thinking, what Th these these things don't add up. One plus one is equal equaling three. Both of them can't be true. And the long form live stream is very difficult to edit into something that is false. You can't do that. Mm. Whereas the edit suite back at the TV studio, oh, that's an enormously powerful tool. These mm. cameras shape and shift our reality. And locked at home during lockdown. That 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 grip on reality can feel feel awfully tenuous when you're given two pieces of information that don't add up. So I started going to them myself and, and being like, "What what is going on here?" And it wasn't just a particular type of protest I went to. I started going to all kinds of protests, and inevitably, you know, I started to learn a little bit about it. And it took it took a while to get used to it to learn how um, people work, how large groups of people work, how the police work, um, how the police pro police police protest protesters and how the dynamics of, of, of the theater that is protesting outdoors tends to be because it's very much about trying to grab the media's attention and some protests are there to try and serve their own it's purely masturbatory uh, and self-serving and others mm. don't have the budget for a Clive Palmer sized billboard and they're using the outdoor demonstration to try and gain people's attention and, 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 and say something they otherwise couldn't to prove that they're willing to get out of their chairs and into the streets for their cause, a demonstration of, of faith, of, of sacrifice, of, of risk, that they care about this issue so much. And I just started started going to protests and, and that's why people watch Chris Coveries. It's the, uh, there aren't too many live streamers in Sydney of protests. Um, Melbourne has all, a whole cavalcade of different people who cover them there. Um, you've got Gazcam and uh, a couple of others up there in Queensland, but in Sydney, we've got um, MCJ's got Sydney George, 
but that's really it. I'm generally in, in the media scrum that at these protests, I'm the only guy live streaming. So yeah, that, that's why I do it. So you're the guy in Sydney we need to uh, tune into when, when things are happening. Yeah, when, when a protest happening, I'm, I'm generally there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to change what I'm doing and step back a little just because I'm getting injured so often these days. Um, right. I'm an object and a target of uh, the social left. And the thing is, if I was at a social left protest, I would love to speak to them and have a long form conversation. Um, I wouldn't be rude to them. I wouldn't be a, a Lisa Wilkinson, a current affair. Are you, do you just want to kill babies? Is that all you want to do? You're just a baby killer. Why, why yep. do you want to kill? Oh. I, I yeah. that kind of line of questioning, I know it gets the clicks. I know people love it, but I just can't bring myself to do the the very narrow. Uh, so, so when did you stop beating your wife? It, it, I, 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 I like to try and ask people, but why do you believe that? Where are you going with that? And yeah. so, so I'd love to speak with the social left, but they don't like me because, of course, I'm like everyone these days, a fascist. Fine, whatever. <laughs> Um, but I still live stream their protests, um, but it is getting increasingly dangerous and yeah, um, well, increasingly painful. The authentic fascists are evidenced by their violence and suppression of uh, opinion and dissenting political ideas. Uh, there's nothing they actually hate more than, than truth. And so a uh, reporter like yourself, who, who's not offering a lot of commentary, but just reporting what's happening, uh, pointing the camera and letting it go, that's not going to be something that uh, people with bad ideas easily defeated uh, with any right thinking um, will will be uh, helped or supported by and so they think uh, well the truth is my enemy therefore the teller of truth is somebody we should uh, suppress any way possible uh, george um, let's let's start this i guess conversation with you uh, you left the major party um, the, the National Party room in the uh, LNP party in Queensland and in the federal um, party, the federal government, and uh, you campaigned and, and joined One Nation as a, a minor party. Uh, you're you're a, certainly a hero and respected commentator uh, to the freedom movement, but um, as you sit back and appreciate all the fine people, and honest and sincere and polite people, in the freedom movement, um, what opportunities for improvement um, and maturity, maturation have have you observed uh, on our side? Well, it's interesting, David. You're asking me uh, such a question. Actually, I studied social movements at university when I uh, did what um, the Americans would term a minor in sociology for all the sins that I ever committed before and hence, um, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, it was uh, sociology as one of those left-wing bastions in universities, so I was like a, a proverbial uh, uh, square pariah. Around hole. And I was a pariah too. I can remember, uh, I digress, but I can remember uh, debating the entire classroom and lecturer about whether or not um, if it was Aboriginal custom that a 40-year-old man be wed to a 15-year-old uh, girl in an Aboriginal tribe whether the law of the land should uh, prevail over the tribe. And the entire classroom and lecturer was saying that the uh, the tribal law should prevail. So there you go. That's uh, the state of modern sociology in Australia today. Um, wow. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we studied social movements. And um, 
Solidarnosc out of Poland was uh, one of the key examples of uh, how a social movement goes. And uh, the problem is that they do get uh, fractious and um, uh, actually um, a lot of people suggest that uh, the group should become formalised and it is when the formalisation actually happens that most social movements fall apart. So um, I don't want to entirely disagree with what uh, others may say because no one said anything yet really about uh, what's going on. But, <laughs> but you know, yeah, the point the point I guess is um, we can all have our own different points that we rally around, uh, whether it be you know uh, the, the Christian oriented uh, people that are part of the freedom freedom movement, whether it be those that rally around, for instance, um, Ricardo Bossi and Australia One, or those who uh, rally around uh, uh, Reignite Democracy Australia or whatever. There are all these different, I guess, um, points where people might coalesce. But as long as they all come together with the one vision in mind and also the one enemy, and that's perhaps a strong word, but the one enemy in mind. And the enemy is tyranny. The enemy mm. is the tyrants who would seek to usurp our freedom and liberty. As long as we all focus on that and not each other, then we maintain the characteristics of a good social movement. And, and the key characteristic of a good social movement is victory. Uh, but if it's going to stray into internecine warfare where you know we don't like this guy because he said something that completely is unrelated to the core part of the movement or uh, we don't like this person because we think we're make, they're making money out of it um, well, well, well so what they're not holding a gun to anyone's head you know they're not saying uh, hand over everything you've got um, there are people out there who might be hanging up their professional shingle and actually asking for funds um but we don't know what the backstory is behind that particular person um we don't know they might have lost their job because of mandates and this is now the only mm. thing that they can do um so, so uh, i'd say forget about all that extraneous stuff and let's just focus on the task at hand because i'm going to tell you and i won't jump in with it now but i'd like to a bit later on uh, there is a key task at hand that is coming up and it's going to happen quicker than, than we know it. And that is uh, the digital identity agenda. Um, mm. I can talk about that more, but uh, for now, I would say we need to just make sure that we are focused on the one vision and that is freedom, ensuring freedom remains alive in this country or reigniting that freedom, uh, as some might say. And, and and ensuring the focus is on defeating the enemy who is the usurper of that freedom and liberty. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I don't want people to think uh, that we're distracted from the primary objective today of, of defeating tyranny. I mean, that's the ongoing mission, but we are able to uh, chew gum and walk at the same time. Uh, it's important that as we, as we go into these battles, and, and trust me, this is not a election cycle battle. Um, if it is, we lost. Uh, this is a generational battle. This is the struggle of a lifetime. Uh, and, and if we push back and prevail and, and hold back the, the tide of tyranny that is coming in, 
uh, well, we're just going to have to be vigilant and guard against it. That is old knowledge, old wisdom. Uh, the, the Marxist movement has been going for 50 to 70 years uh, since the 1950s when, when the uh, Frankfurt School first started to sow its poison into the academies in, in America and, and from there spread around the world, having fled uh, fascist Nazi Germany. Um, but they then did their own long thing. We, we're, not, we're here for a long time. So my point is in this battle, we need to be our best. We, we need to have the best disciplined uh, soldiers and, and warriors for freedom. We need to have the sharpest swords and the straightest barrels um, pointed at the enemy. Uh, and, and that's the real thing. But it's not pointing our weapons at ourselves to train and discipline ourselves. Uh, and, and so that's the, the objective here. And, and the, the difference between bashing people in the freedom movement, which goes on, that's not the objective today. The objective is training. How can we focus? And, and be better? And, and how can you tell the difference um, at watching at home? Love to see your thoughts in the comments. Uh, please Thanks. pop them David, up on uh, the screen. George, jump in. Just jump in, because um, uh, there is a comment from Gazcam, or Gary Howard, Gazcam, as most people know him. That's a great comment here. The enemy is the spirit and ideology behind the oppressive players. And that is um, absolutely true. And I just yep. want to add this one point. I mean, we, we have enough enemies in this movement. Uh, we've got the enemy that is um, the tyrants within the political class, uh, the tyrants within the bureaucratic class, uh, the tyrants within the globalist class, uh, you know, who, who, uh, who in terms of actual power, right, far outnumber us probably collectively with actual mm -hmm. hands and actual institutional power. And then there's, um, the mainstream media and big tech that seeks to deride us and censor us and talking about Gazcam, I mean, uh, uh, like so many others, he's been censored by uh, uh, by big tech. You've probably been, um, uh, uh, what's the word, shadow banned. Uh, yeah. uh, I've certainly, uh, uh, I, I got to tell you, you know, of my, uh, uh, sorry, I'm getting into the me again, isn't that a so egotistical, but uh, it's my experience. The, the um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and all the vultures at Facebook uh, have taken my reach down from where I was at one stage having thousands of eyeballs on posts, uh, uh, mostly now down to the hundreds, in some cases just dozens, and um, mm. there's no rhyme or reason about it. Uh, so I've been shadow banned yep. as well. So, um, you know, this uh, this is the enemy. You know, we've got enough people... Um, sticking daggers into us without uh, doing it to each other. And I'm not talking about us here on the show. We're talking about what is a real issue going on. I mean, you talked about bashing each other. I mean, uh, again, I'm not going to get into names, but, but, but that just happened the other day between a prominent member of, of what's you know, colloquially called the freedom movement and, uh, and another member of that freedom movement. Uh, where they're actually trading blows like fisticuffs, you know. Yep. Uh, come on, come on, what the hell? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be part of a violent movement, that's for sure. Uh, I think that it's um, the media have done the best to mis-stereotype mis uh, this um, movement as one that's violent from uh, the fake uh, photos that uh, were put out there of someone punching a horse which turned out to be not punching the horse whatsoever. Um, right. But that's the kind of 
imagery and mindset that the mainstream media have wanted to perpetuate and um, we can't of course uh, allow those stereotypes to um, uh, to be peddled again because of yep. uh, what, what amounts to patty into Nicene warfare. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you have um, not been a fly-by-nighter in this movement, a, a pop-up instant success. You've actually spent many years before 2020 in uh, not only uh, videography but also political campaigning. Can you uh, just take 30, 60 seconds to tell us a little bit about the various campaigns and, and uh, continents that you've had uh, political experience and insights in which you're useful for uh, the ongoing freedom movement's benefit? I lived on every continent that I could. I used to work in IT finance, worked for big banks, lived in Dubai, Johannesburg, lived in America, both in South Florida and Portland, Oregon. Uh, wow. Lived in South America. Was uh, Portland, Oregon the Antifa hellhole then that it is now? There were protests, but in 2015, things were different. And at the time, you wouldn't have been able to work it or tip it, or I wasn't able to when I was there. Um, mm. And I was doing, at the time, a little bit of work with some um, political parties there. But uh, no, uh, only in hindsight, always the way. Can you work out that it would, mm. have, been, would have been that way? All, all the elements were there socially, but... No, I couldn't have picked it. Um, yeah. But while I was living in um, Brussels, I uh, volunteered for a time with the Alliance of Liberals and Democrats. Um, so, you know, my political experience is not within a bubble of, oh, yeah, I did some work with, um, you know, uh, the Liberals while I was here. It, it's a little bit broader, and I've, I've always tried to keep track of global uh, political movements. And a lot of the commentary I'm going to make, visiting this, I'm always making, is not limited to this particular freedom movement. It's a symptom of all political movements, of all uh, progressive social movements. This is this is this is not just um, a, a here and now problem. Uh, this is uh, one that applies equally, and all advice can be taken by. You know, Black Lives Matter faces the same kind of internal division and problems uh, that we do. The questions of financial impropriety. All of this, you know, it's all. It, it's not just an individual movement. Just some deal with it better than others. Some deal with it with an inside voice. Some deal with it internally. They hash it mm. out behind closed doors. Then if they fail with that, sometimes they go outside. But precisely because of a few different symptoms, uh, this movement seems to, whenever it is, there is a disagreement for it to curb externally. Very little I've seen resolved internally. Uh, very little I've ever seen any agreement. In fact, anything internally, I see a lot of uh, chest beating by parties who feel that if their demands aren't met, there's always the threat to use their platform that can reach hundreds of thousands of people within moments like this as uh, a whipping stick to get what they want. It's always mm. the number of followers and likes and the social media reach that they have that is their status, that is their electability within the power structure inside this movement. Numbers matter, entertainment matters, and this political movement is as much entertainment and celebrity as it is about policy and principles. Now, there's a certain degree of, of uh, market realities uh, in, in what you just said, Chris, that uh, there's an entertainment factor. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's people like Stephen Shavura, who we discussed in a phone call yesterday, who are incredibly intellectual, uh, educated, uh, uh, intellectually honest, 
Um, they're objective. They don't have a horse in the race. They're, they're actually the most sincerely, genuinely uh, loving people. And, and I mean that in the patriotic sense, they love their nation. Uh, they don't just love the concept of the nation and the Australian identity flag and the anthem, but they love every person in the nation. And, and for their benefit, um, they will offer insight and analysis. Uh, but their audience is naturally limited by uh, a lack of entertainment factor, a lack of clickbait um, and, and sizzling headlines. Um, uh, George, let me come back to you and, and ask. Uh, but, but before you do, I want to keep, keep on the headline for one second to share my screen and say, how are you going to compete with a Russian man with an accordion? How are you going to compete <laughs> with this kind of entertainment? What, what, what have you got? Is Stephen Chavua going to do some tap dancing for us while he tries to explain <laughs> biblical principles? Or, 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 or what, what do you got? Totally fair and case in point. <laughs> uh, George, uh, where's, the, where's the balance? Uh, and, and I guess what in exhortations can you offer viewers and participants in the freedom movement or the right wing generally um, about their discernment as consumers? both of mainstream media and now independent media, how do we as consumers uh, hold broadcasters to a higher standard instead of feeding the beast and lowering the standard? We've lost your audio. I think you're on mute there. Did you mute yourself? I don't know. The Gremlins did it. Uh, Gremlins. There we go. Sorry. Um, uh, what I was saying is that... Uh, I had to take my time anyway thinking about the answer to that because I don't want to necessarily seem uh, the recalcitrant one to what. To well, let me let me, um, let me interrupt you for a second, George, yeah, just yeah, to yeah. just to stipulate um, yeah. that I want to learn a lot from you because you are very good at audience engagement, and and that objective in itself is is not a bad thing. Uh, you, you have to mm -hmm. engage the biggest audience possible to spread the most most truth possible. Um, so is an accordion the wrong thing? Well, you know what? I, I actually, in itself, of course not. Um, but what about the substance and the character of everything behind that? And, and that's why I have no problem endorsing your methods. You, you know, you, you do catchy thumbnails and um, attractive headlines. We can even call them clickbait headlines. Um, but it's like the spoonful of sugar to help the, the, the vegetables, the vitamins, the medicine go down. Um, so back to you, just to, just to stipulate. Yeah, you, look, I mean, my, my, my background is as a former journalist and uh, even a former newspaper editor, actually. And so, um, you know, the business, and it was a business that I was involved in uh, mm. at that stage as a newspaper editor, editor, was selling newspapers, you know, and so... Um, you. You, you had to understand uh, what your audience was interested in. Now, that doesn't mean that you sacrifice what is the truth or that you sacrifice uh, integrity for, you know, cheap cheap thrills, quick sales, whatever you'd like to call it. You know, um, you can do both at the same time. Uh, I mean, you can tell a story, you can uh, spread a message and be entertaining. I mean, uh, if you're not, you're not going to get eyeballs. So, mm. um, look, 
I can't play an accordion. I can't play any bloody instrument uh, <laughs> other than the little triangle. Um, but, but, you know, uh, uh, if Simeon wants to jump on and get on the accordion, uh, uh, good good on him. Um, uh, but, but uh, we, I, again, I just say that um, there are people out there. I mean, look, there's some things that I see and it's more from the United States than elsewhere where people are just probably going too far uh, with things. Uh, but um, by and large, uh, most of the central messaging uh, out of those in the freedom movement in Australia, I would have to say I, I agree with or pointing in the right direction. It's when we, again, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I just want to say it's when we start going off on tangents on other issues mm. that we start losing people right and that's yep. where uh, the points of fray come in that's where you know uh, uh that's where the internecine warfare starts so this person's saying something about issue x and issue x has nothing to do with the central issue of 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 what the freedom movement should be about in australia and that's where social movements if i go back to the old sociology social movements start to fall apart is when other issues that are superfluous or irrelevant to the main cause start to be championed by the personalities within those movements. So look, you know, we live in a free country. If someone wants to get up there and talk about uh, pedophiles, another issue, if they want to talk about pedophiles, if they want to talk about Russia, Ukraine, if they want to talk about whatever, that is their right. Uh, I can argue against them. Um, but uh you know and 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 really uh that's all it boils down to but if we're talking about what it does to the movement it starts to fray it mm. um so, so it's just something to keep in mind it's distracting from a, a movement i mean if you want to be a commentator be a commentator and and talk about anything and everything um schedule a show put it on get viewers ask for donations great go for it but then you've stopped becoming a leader of a movement. You've, yeah. you've become a commentator. Um, I, yeah. I think that's a good tip, George. Um, stick yeah. to the issue. And One the of people that are the most uh, schizophrenic about it are probably the people who should be, uh, you know, maybe uh, listened to second in, instead of first. One of your commenters on Facebook here, Heather McPherson, has said, I think Simeon has a good heart. And I just want to say he's been used as an example here. And I'm going to say something controversial. Uh, I watch Aussie Cossack and I uh, kind of like it, but uh, you know, I, I get he's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, uh, I watch Chris Covery stuff too, and I like it as well. Uh, I, I like a lot of the content that's being put out there by people because it's, uh, to me, it's like this sort of multifaceted diamond, and we're seeing all different aspects of it. And that's what you got to think, you know, there are people who are attracted to this particular view, who are attracted to this mm. particular view, this particular view. When you look at it as a whole, um, you know, it's something and we're headed somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I know that's possibly not a popular view amongst some to say, oh, you're a fan of Aussie Cossack because he says stuff about Russia or because he's been to jail. I actually think that he's, um, it's ridiculous that they've jailed him and the New South Wales police are out to get him. Um, but uh, anyway, as I said, I, I know that not everyone in the movement is everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Gazcam uh, has just commented, uh, unfortunately, the movement has been infiltrated by the same spirit we are fighting against. Um, what, 
what truth in that can you identify in the movement and and what wisdom can you give to viewers to to be more discerning uh, consumers of independent media yeah we, we know how to turn off the six o'clock news but um, what should we be turning off in the independent media like you and me I'll, I'll let I'll let Gary um, speak, he, Gary's comments speak for themselves. I don't want to speak over the top of, of those. You, you're asking the market to be more discerning. It's a super tanker. You, you can't, you, to steer it is, is the big old ship. And if you want to move it, what, what power have you got to try and move that there? We've got mm -hmm. your audience here. Hello. Good afternoon. Good evening. Great to have you here. But we're only going to be able to move this segment and speak to this segment. Mm. There are people with 10 times, 20 times, a huge amount more reach than we could possibly um, reach. All, all, all of us combined with everyone that we know we get together, the, moving the super tanker to be more discerning, all, all you can do is control your own message is, is really it. We, we, can't, we can't necessarily move the, the, the 100,000 people here. We can just keep on highlighting uh, the, the sober, simple goals that a person might have that they want to direct the movement towards um, well let's talk to the the thousand people that we're talking to or, or the you know the hundreds or whatever small number it might be let's talk to them and and maybe uh, give them advice on being better consumers but also i mean it's true now that you say it controlling their message how do they comment participate share engage with and and then encourage their circle of influence which also may be hundreds and thousands of people uh, to, you know, again, I'm okay with this being a mammoth task. I, I think that's reality. This is a mammoth task. Um, it may take a generation. How do we seed that culture change that we need to see? How do we be that change? Distractions, you're absolutely right about it. And we, we all feed into it. That's part of the news cycle that, that within media that we get into it. But the people that, that, that need to to look at what some of the motivations the person you're speaking to might have beyond that. Simeon has not even hidden motivations, but Simeon has said that he is pro-Russia and not just pro-Russia, but he has been on that stream for, for years. So you will look at him and judge him to be um, uh, freedom movement aligned about mandates. Uh, in, in terms of his hierarchy, he's about Russia first. It's that simple ask what the person is trying to achieve with it. Look at George, look at myself, look at Dave. What, what, why are they doing this? And mm. taking a moment, you can ask where the, where their hierarchy are. You can say, oh yeah, he's pro-Russia and which is first? What, why is he doing that? And, and just, just ask, why is someone doing what they're doing? You can do the same with Monarch, you can do the same with Arby, you can do the same with everyone. Why are they doing what they're doing? And which will come first? What's going to rise to the top? That's simple. One, two, three. Yeah, I, I like uh, Avi describes himself very bluntly, um, humorously, and and I think he he overstates it. To be honest, uh, he says he's an absolute egotist. He says I'm an egotist. I've got a massive ego. Let's talk about me. Um, and his his work is very <laughs> in your face. Um, great friend, by the way. I'm I'm not slamming his work for those people who think I'm jumping on Avi. Not in the least. Uh, great friend. I think it's entertaining that he uh, he kind of owns the criticism. Um, that that his enemies throw, uh, and I think he he manages it to uh, turn it against him and, and into a strength. Uh, but again, be, a lot of that 
to be in social media, you 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 have to be. You have to learn to be. I had to learn to yeah. to worry and concern myself with my self-image on the internet. It's it's actually something really difficult to learn how to do. Arby, it may have come more naturally to him. With others, it, it it's more difficult. But in order to survive, so, you know, in terms of the attention marketplace right. that social media is, you have to be. You have to always be thinking about how you're being seen, not how you might see yourself or self-identify, because that is so 1990s. Uh, it's about how other people always see you and how they judge you. And Arby, uh, because he has that inner drive that drives you forward, that gets you out of bed in the morning, that gets yep. you drive, chasing after the story, all of that feeds, call it narcissism if you want, call it egotism, or call it motivation, because Arby is unquestionably one of the most motivated people in chasing those stories anywhere else. Comes yep. with some costs sometimes as well, but that's just part of the journey. Yeah. And, and so your, I guess, distilled nugget of advice to people is to, with each of these personalities and, and platforms like Pillow Talk, uh, The Good Source, a broader platform, um, Chris Coveries, uh, Nation First, um, and, and then the other personalities that we have or haven't yet mentioned today, uh, look at their their number one message, their overarching um, motivation uh, for getting into it to then uh, gauge what weight is appropriate um, to allocate to somebody's voice and, and message. Is that a, a fair distillation of what you're saying? Yeah. Many, many people, absolutely, many people agree that Simeon does have a good heart, but his hierarchy of priorities, Russia first. Same, you have to ask the same of other people as well. What is their number one and number two? And is the issue yeah. that you care about number one and number two and number three aligned? Do you yeah. care about Russia first? If not, well, you've kind of got a misalignment there. It's yeah. with Michael Greg Griffin. Where are his priorities? Where are your priorities? So look inside yourself. What's the number one to you? For, to most people it's, that we're speaking to, it's probably about vaccine mandates. It's probably about vaccine mandates. Does everyone else you're following going to help you understand and move towards that same goal? Number one, what is your number one issue? Do they share it? And so here's the the problem I have. And, and just, I guess, before I move on to that, um, like my number one priority and mission is coincidentally the shirt that I'm wearing today, uh, kingdom. I, I'm actually more concerned about the kingdom of God than anything else because uh, I think it is the best kindness, favor, love that I can do to 26 million neighbors, the, the people that I'm commanded to love and prioritize over myself. It's not I'm not looking for pork barreling or, or how government can benefit my family or business. I'm looking for the way it can <laughs> maximise uh, the flourishing of my neighbours, uh, their liberty uh, to pursue God for themselves um, or not. Uh, that's, that's, I think, the, that's, that's just my paradigm. Everything comes under that. If I'm coincidentally conservative, I'm happy to own that. But uh, what I want to calibrate to is, is that um, kingdom uh, frame of reference first. Um, the, the, the point I, I guess I want to pick up on is that, uh, I don't think Simeon's heart is relevant. I don't think my heart is relevant. I don't think the, the road of good intentions actually, uh, leads to somewhere profitable every single time. Uh, I think, uh, to the contrary, we need to be aware of what people's, um, calibration and highest priority is, as, as you put it, uh, because, if we start giving these people status, um, then they start to become symbolic of the rest of us. And if we don't know enough about them, 
there's a huge risk factor that they might uh, do something really stupid and or fall off that pedestal we've put them on and take the rest of us down with them. Um, and we've seen that with recent shenanigans uh, is probably the, the kindest way to put it in the freedom movement, um, that different people getting in trouble for, for different things and, and bringing ill reputation to all of us. And again, I think this kind of behaviour is, is fairly uh, universal. It's not limited to the leaders and personalities. There's a fairly wide uh, self-righteous uh, you know, claim to, uh, you know, how dare you criticise me amongst all of us. Um, and, and I don't mean it's a universal problem that every one of us is guilty of, but it's widespread in the movement. Um, and we as a, as a movement um, need, to, need to own that. Um, can you share some uh, light, whether it's relevant or, or uh, an evolution in the dis discussion this morning, Chris, um, the recent ongoings in Melbourne, what the freedom movement is doing there and um, the, the pros and cons, so, as you might see it. Uh, if I can offer some light at the end of the tunnel that you're, you're hoping, uh, there is a bloodletting in terms of leadership that is occurring. Um, uh, there's, while you, you can look at the infighting um, of the last four days at Mission to Melbourne and, and say that this has been a, a negative because it's outward appearance, uh, at the same time, post-election, something needed to happen. An election occurred that resulted in not a, I don't think anyone would agree, a positive outcome. So who's mm. accountable? Who's responsible? So this is a delayed um, party room war that George would have seen more than once of who is being knocked off their perch, who's responsible. This doesn't always mean that it happens in the right way or the, the best way, um, but that exchange of power, who's going to be there, is occurring. And it's happening on live stream and it's happening sometimes with literal street fights and that is what's going to forever change how um, this movement is is seen the light at the end of it is that people who aren't involved with that and separate themselves from it will be seen as something different it, it results in some division that that's part of what what, what will will occur because for a long time, there have been some influencers who aren't aligned with where you're going, Dave or George or mm. anyone else. Um, the light is that you're going to get uh, a movement that's more aligned with where you're going to go from, with what or the ideals that you're trying to exchange there. Um, the the light is you're going to let go of a, a lot of um, the street brawlers, um, and you'll end up hopefully uh, more ship shape for the future will it result in more unity more seats more 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 what you're looking for maybe maybe not if you can change it but this is a bloodletting that needed to occur uh, post-election is just happening now you know what i i mean that, that's fantastic uh for the clubhouse uh, but the problem is how many people we lose um when we're only talking to ourselves and trying to figure out where the gangrene is in the leaders where the um, the, the infected blood needs to be let. Um, and, and here's, I guess, my uh, prayer for the freedom movement is, is that in every communication we think about the people who can be persuaded, who do not yet agree with us. Of course, there's haters who just closed ears because their fingers are in it and they're singing la-la-la-la-la. But what about those people who are, are open-minded 
and just been listening to too much media, but can be reasoned with and persuaded. Are we just talking to ourselves or are we talking to those people? Uh, and, and that's why I think the liability of bad leaders, bad personalities, bad messages is too great to risk. Yes, I've got a 50-year vision uh, for my nation and the strategies to win the culture back, but there's still the immediate here and now that we need to be concerned with as, as well. Um, I, I want to move on to the topic of minor parties. And so, George Christensen, um, I just had this thought bubble and, and I want to tease it out with you and, and Chris here now uh, because it might be a really stupid idea. I can't actually endorse it right now. I can probably uh, push it to, to see if it's got um, merits. But my idea is what if all of the people who were candidates uh, for a minor party in the recent federal election, what if all the people who were candidates refused to play that game anymore? The problem here that I'm trying to solve is is the lack of unity with so many minor parties standing up. I mean, Clive Palmer told his candidates that at least a third of them around Australia were going to get elected. That was a pipe dream. I mean, no, no yeah. sober person ever would have believed that. Um, they're being sold a bill of goods. None of them have a chance of getting elected in a minor party. But what if the same people ran as candidates uh, as independent candidates, believing the same things, advocating the same things, campaigning the same messages, um, and none of them getting really great support from head office. But what if we all managed to, to figure out who wanted to be an independent candidate in our electorate and chose them? I mean, the only people that came to the uh, candidate forums were the people who were already going to vote for the Freedom Party candidates. So what if we just did those and, and sorted out the best of them, the most articulate, the most suited for a life in federal politics or state politics, and actually got behind an independent camp candidate movement, much like the Teals. Um, and there's ways, obviously, this idea can be improved because it's right now a 24-hour-old thought bubble of mine. Um, your thoughts, George? Oh, so many thoughts, David. I mean, uh, one thing you got to remember, and it applies to the discussion that we've just had around uh, the various individuals who um, uh, make up uh, not the leadership there is, there is no leadership per se within the freedom of freedom movement but they are influences um, for want of a better word it's probably actually the appropriate word given a lot of it happens on social media but they are the influences mm -hmm. within this movement right um, and the point is this movement is about freedom right freedom of the individual. Therefore, it's very individualistic. And, uh, you know, people want to go their own way. And that is why that on the the pro freedom libertarian, um, if I could say conservative um, movement, there is this uh, fracturous nature, because, um, you know, we, we are just so individualistic, and we want to do our own thing and sometimes that revolves around personalities a lot of the time it revolves around personalities um i like your idea david and i don't want to throw rocks at it but i know i'm going to um uh, the only thing is that uh it's a great idea except for reality because um when nominations come <laughs> so many of my ideas <laughs> when nominations come forward uh you might have yes uh 
you know, 80% of, of, of the pro-freedom movement within a particular electorate that decides we're getting behind candidate X. But you know what? Candidates uh, A through to Z that weren't on the list can also nominate. Um, there's nothing stopping them from nominating. Uh, hmm. And therefore, sure. the vote becomes fractured anyway. So uh, I think that more so what we've got to focus on is... Um, well, I think a whole heap of them won't if they're not fed a pipe dream and and uh, approval yeah. affirmation and uh, uh, um, I'm not sure of the, the psychological term, but uh, I understand. That, well, 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 one of our mutual friends enabled called, by a, an influencer. I don't think uh, most of them would. Although one of our mutual friends called it candidatitis, and uh, you know, uh, I I. Um, uh, and that was in a political party that didn't perpetuate that sort of pipe dream. So, mm. so it happens anyway. You know, someone... I, I always wondered when I was in a mainstream party why these people ran in these minor parties. Like, like why, why are you doing it? Do you think you're actually going to win? And in most cases, the answer was yes. And, you know... Shame. You, you could go and do your own straw poll walking down the street and work out that it's not going to. Uh, I can recall there was a guy, um, again, I won't name names, but there was a guy who ran for a minor party and he really did think he was going to win because uh, of, of all of the, um, the circle that he was hanging around and uh, he turned up to a debate in, uh, in one of the federal elections and he walked away and he, he, he came up to me and he said, oh, I thought I was going to win this election until I came here. He said, it's quite obvious that you're going to win it now. Um, he said, I just can't believe the, the um, you know, the, the delusion I fed myself uh, because of the people that I was speaking to. So, mm -hmm. so um, you know, that, 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 that happens. So, so anyway, I've got to get to the point. To get to the point, the point is that how do we turn the freedom movement into a successful political vehicle. Um, well, here's George Christensen's view on the world, and it's not the right view. There might be other views that are better. Okay, so don't take this as the be all and end all. We'll tell you if you're wrong, George. Well, good, good, and you should, uh, because that's the only way we get better, and that's the only way we achieve success. But let me just look at the political landscape and ask yourself: of all of the pro-freedom minor parties. Which one has actually been the most successful? Well, I can tell you one that's got two federal senators, one that's got presence in the state parliaments of Queensland, New South Wales, and South Australia. Uh, they did have a presence in WA. I can't remember if they still do at this stage. Who am I talking about? Well, it's One Nation. Mm -hmm. So tell me which other minor pro-freedom political party has had that much cut through already. None. So, therefore, well, I don't know. Do have... I mean, the Lib Dems have had a lot of people elected, uh, maybe not. In Victoria. In Victoria yeah, I mean, you had David, David Lionhill, but you, you also had state MPs in the WA uh, in, and, and other places. They're not, not insignificant, certainly more than Palmer. And Palmer's yep. got a few people elected as well, though. Yes, but I, I don't think that anyone has had the ongoing electoral. Um, success if you want to put it that way it's not success because they never win elections per se but ongoing electoral representation and presence that uh, one nation has had so so 
what what should happen? Well, what should happen is there needs to be someone akin to uh, a Robert Menzies that gets everyone to the table and says, we've got the vehicle, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Uh, we need you to come and join us. Uh, do we need a name change? Well, that's up for discussion. Uh, can we all fit under the one big tent and put personalities aside? Well, that's got to be a point of discussion as well. Mm. And, uh, and and can can we um, recreate what uh, what Menzies did with the United Australia Party? Now, you know, someone put to me when I joined One Nation, "Why are you doing this? Do you ever do you ever really think that One Nation is going to be is going to um, outnumber in terms of electoral representation the National Party?" uh and, and if not how do you think that they're going to outnumber the liberal party well you know in the short term i don't i don't think that but we need to be very very wise about what we're doing here we need to go after the seats where we can win we need to have a real big focus on the senate where we can win um and what we try and do is capture what the greens have captured which is the balance of power mm. And that, therefore, makes you powerful. The government of the day has to come and negotiate with you uh, about things when they want their legislation to come through. And you can say, well, you know what? Uh, we'll agree to this tax cut or we'll agree to this industrial relations change because it's not part of our core values here or core issues. But you know what? We're going to want in exchange for doing that because we really can't give us stuff about this. We could vote against it or vote for it. We mm. want you to legislate something which mandates mandates that never again shall mandates be applied um yeah. you know uh, uh, uh or, or something like that we want you to scrap the digital identity agenda we want you to do this or this or this yeah that's how we succeed so um i just think that personalities have to uh park themselves for a minute um, all come together all have the discussion and 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 push forward with one big tent that's the only right. future i see for the movement politically uh david now let me just tell you i'm going to argue against myself i put this to i want to bring chris in on, on what we're talking about in just a minute but well, I'll, fin I'll finish i'll finish this because i had one pushback which i can't answer and it goes to the individualistic nature uh so it, i told this um almost exact sermon to a uh, to a, a sitting senator and they said to me yeah look I've heard this before and they said but the point is there are people who um, love Pauline will always vote for her there are other people that hate Pauline but you know they love Clive and they'll always vote for him and there are other mm. people that hate Clive but like um, you know I don't know uh, Bob Catter uh, there are people that hate Bob Catter and only vote for uh, the Liberal Democrats and if we all went under the one tent and just become the one thing, well, a lot of those people would fall off and wouldn't vote for us. And there is a point Which to that. Is part of the there problem I'm talking about today, part of the problem we're doing this is there's this, this, I think that's an ego. I think that's an artifact of ego that, that people wouldn't conglomerate. And certainly the leaders wouldn't conglomerate and say, let's all join yeah, and make it's a, it's a, one great It's thing also today. a reality though, David. I mean, in the comments there, Helen Madison yeah, put up this thing about, Pauline Hanson and Rodney Cullerton. And look, I'm not going to get into the issue, um, but but some people that like Pauline Hanson hate Rodney Cullerton. Some people that like Rodney Cullerton hate Pauline Hanson. Uh, uh, if you had them under the same roof, uh, 
what are people going to do? Is their hatred for one are, are going to outcome their overcome their love for the other? Um, the I, I don't know. It's, it's reality we got to deal with. I, I don't debate that. But my point is, let's criticize it. Let's actually say, you know, that's a really small-minded thing to do. That it itself erodes the movement and the fight against tyranny by focusing on these personality debates. It's ridiculous. I agree, but it's also reality. Yeah, no, no dispute. Chris, your two cents. Uh, we, we're seeing some of this uh, tussle for control and power and uh, egos, if, if that's not too unkind a, a um, diagnosis, on the Liberal Democrat Party uh, in New South Wales at the moment. You had a, a great interview uh, with the New South Wales president of the party there um, without necessarily to constrain yourself to that particular issue. Uh, broadly, what we've been speaking about now, what are your thoughts on uh, solutions to the minor party? My thought bubble of everybody just going independent um, as the ultimate kind of unity or, um, or, or some kind of conglomeration or, or, or collaboration uh, between the minor parties. Yeah, the graphic on my screen should explain what would happen if a new independent movement would start up. You have several competing parties and you try and start one movement to unify them all. Now you've just got one more. There were debatably seven to nine different competing freedom aligned parties at the last election, which split a vote that was debatably, I'd argue, more than the Greens across nothing. Rather than taking this, this gigantic waterfall of votes and focusing on a single point and trying to get where you're going, you can erode an enormous wall with that erosion but instead it splashed harmlessly as like buckets of water against a cliff face. Uh, can any of these parties merge? Can you imagine if there's one direction you give to your viewers, which is to encourage every now and then to drop a few comments on Malcolm Roberts page on, 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 on some UAP pages with Babbitt to try and say, Hey, Hey, uh, David Limbrick, have we thought about, you know, you know, see, seeing if you can start a dialogue to merge, find some unity because uh, to use uh, your biblical language, humility is lacking. Putting aside the ego, just being able to be subservient to another. It's a word that you go, oh, no one wants to be subservient. No, I am a strong, independent. Oh, yeah. We're always subservient. We always need to be humble to someone. We always need to take instruction from someone. And it sounds so, oh, I can't take it. I'm going to stay. If they have and share your interests, why wouldn't you want to support them and lift them up? So if mm. there's one instruction you could give, I could give to your viewers is if you encourage a little bit of unity amongst like-minded parties and you just prod them a little bit in each other's direction, you can move these pieces closer and closer together. Just maybe the Malcolm Roberts who has been on a fierce pace post-election, he has been driving himself forward, exhausting himself and looking like he may be a future leader of the party and looking like he might be in a position to reform it. And George mentioning with One Nation, maybe it needs a rebrand. And the constant reminder uh, that maybe Ashby can turn direction and maybe he can be reformed and maybe inside the party that can move. That could be a real thing. You, you have a, a strong uh, loyalty to One Nation. Maybe a rebrand, maybe a change of leadership is what can take some of the Lib Dems, some of UAP, maybe Clive steps aside, maybe you grab Babbitt, and you've got something that is a balance of power as significant as the Greens. Yep. No, uh, 
fantastic points. And uh, look, I, I said it's a thought bubble, um, and, and the, the the point of all this um, independence that I was thinking is that yeah, the, the wheat will sort from the chaff, and and um, and what will happen is that essentially there will be more unity because people will stop being tribal about uh, those personalities. It'll be down to the local candidates and and each of those candidates can then have a how to vote card which supports the the good senators from from each party's. Um, can, I, can I just jump in and say, David, uh, definitely yeah, put up something which mirrors what Chris has just spoken about, um, you know, uh, talking about a coalition. And I think that that's step one. Um, yeah, that uh, yeah. if you do agree with some core principles, then, uh, hey, let's form a coalition. And yep. uh, there's three parties that are, I hope we're going to write, there's three parties that are represented now in the federal parliament that may describe themselves as pro-freedom. There's at least two in the Senate. Or, well, there was uh, United Australia Party is deregistered, but at least there could be and should be, in my view, a, a coalition between... Um, uh, Senator uh, Ralph Babette and uh, the One Nation team. Um, and I, I would think that that would be step one. And um, again, I, I've, I've actually put this to them, uh, that I, I think that um, having uh, a joint party meeting as the Liberals and Nationals do with those people, uh, all in that party meeting would be good. Now, if you wanted to extend that to uh, Bob Catter and Catter's Australia Party, uh, more than mm -hmm. area um and the more you could actually formalize these things and have a coalition with a specific uh, overarching vision statement or mission statement uh, uh that would go a hell of a long way to actually unifying this movement but there I, are I only a small um, number of parties represented in the parliament yeah that's right well one of the uh, great ideas we're going to keep this discussion going I, I am aware we're past the hour and we'll try and bring it to an end soon enough uh, i actually want to get to the digital identity bill uh, topic uh, briefly uh, when we round this out um, but uh, one of the ideas that i heard which I, I think is probably the most viable form of of if if not uh coalition then cooperation um is that uh, the 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 more significant more successful uh, minor parties get together in in some kind of uh, private meeting and and just divide the nation up and and say okay who's got the best chance in each state uh, and we'll all run our own campaigns in each state but we will give our we will we will do an agreed uh, group ticket in the Senate um, above the line I'd love everybody numbering every box beneath the line and deciding their own preferences but. Uh, these how to vote cards are actually really important, these how to vote recommendations. So if, uh, let's say, um, Pauline One Nation has the best chance in Queensland of any of the minor parties of getting a senator, and that's a fair proposition. Example, what if uh, the Lib Dems, uh, uh, One Nation and United Australia Party formed a group ticket and they said, okay, we will go uh, one for one nation we know we're only going to get one spot but let's put one nation first on the group ticket there and get everybody all of our voters to support one nation um, so pauline or malcolm goes first there and then the uh, the lib dem candidate and, and then the uap candidate or vice versa for two and three but then when they come to new south wales they might say you know what uh, right here lib dems have the best chance so we'll put 
the Lib Dems up the top of the group ticket in New South Wales and give them the best shot and, and so on. Maybe uh, Palmer gets Victoria um, and, and you figure it out state by state so that as a group ticket in the Senate, instead of having three or four um, really good freedom uh, candidates in, in the Senate and, and groups in the Senate, you actually uh, just try and concentrate and, and corral um, the, look, the problem is so many voters don't know how preferences work. Preferences are the solution, um, but we've got to try and support the low information voters the best we can because they are the overwhelming majority. Um, Chris, your thoughts on, on that idea? I think I have to give credit to John Humphreys for articulating that if it wasn't you, George. It doesn't come from the bottom. It comes from the leadership in the party rooms of all the people you through the parties you're talking about. And a couple of comments and hashtags, hashtag freedom unity, might, might just tip them over and get them picking up the phone. It might just get Dr. John Humphreys on the phone with Mr. Ashby and a conversation that could go a long, 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 long way. That, that would be remarkable if then on the same conference call, Sue Ellen Wrightson of UAP also gets on the same one. And look at the amazing thing that a three-way conference call between those three power brokers could make happen. Wouldn't mm. they, rather than the the bloodletting we're talking about in Melbourne and the drawn out discussions of all of that kind of thing, a few pointed comments just pushing pushing Malcolm Roberts in that direction every now and then he says, Malcolm, hashtag freedom unity, talk to your talk to your brothers and friends, do something. You know, just all of this can just nudge them. It's amazing how how much a, a few nudges like that could just get them to start talking because they do George, you read your comments all the time and you see those comments and that would nudge you and be like people are talking about this hashtag freedom unity maybe and that's amazing how much that can move things move mm. that needle um and that discussion i i hope that discussion happens getting those people on a single conference call to well let a, a, a thousand uh, flowers bloom what did uh, mr Catter say blossoms bloom <laughs> yeah that was that was uh, my, my a thousand blossoms bloom <laughs> do, do it again, George. You're on full screen. Do it again. Um, my Bobcat. I actually did it in front of him. He quite liked it. My Bobcat impersonation. I've got to remember that quote. What was it? Um, my my thousand blossoms bloom, but I ain't spending any time on it. <laughs> if you're liking this discussion, while the crocs, while uh, yeah. someone gets eaten by a croc every two <laughs> months in far north Queensland. <laughs> If you're enjoying this conversation, thank you for watching. Thank you for adding your comments. Uh, please share this video with as many people as you can on every platform you can and use that hashtag. What a, what a great suggestion, Chris. Hashtag freedom unity. Uh, we, want to, we want to push for the leaders and the personalities, the influences and uh, the uh, shadowy hands behind the, um, the, the, in, the, in those back, back scenes uh, to actually get together and collaborate, cooperate lay aside the ego, embrace humility, and uh, figure out what we have in common and how we can work together in, instead of starting another dozen minor parties in the next little while. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good thing. Look, um, I, I do need to let everybody know that tickets are selling fast for Church and State Summit Conference in Adelaide on the 5th of November. Uh, if you live in South Australia or you want to get along to Adelaide, uh, we've got Kiralee Smith, uh, we've got, we're going to be talking about transgenderism in two, um, in two segments of the afternoon. Uh, Kiralee, it's just such a big issue, so pervasive and important to discuss and understand. 
Uh, we're going to be uh, having a, a large panel on it to discuss the implications and, and understand the, the need for this. Uh, very much targeted at uh, the student uh, population, high school and, and university student age people. Um, this is a really great, easy pedestrian level event for everybody to get into. You don't need to be uh, a political type to get in. Uh, it's designed for students and tradies. Uh, so uh, please get along to the church and state conference in Adelaide. Don't delay, get your tickets now. Um, it's going to be in the CBD. It's going to be a fantastic venue and, and catering. Uh, so good value to be there. I, I said Curly Smith. James McPherson is going to be there, Sky News personality, great writer from The Good Source for so many years um, and uh, Spectator and, and Flat White and um, other journals around. Uh, we've got Alex Antic, Senator of, of course, um, the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, various pastors and, and minor parties in South Australia. Uh, that we want to uh, just hear from and, and get them to contribute. It's not a campaign platform, it's an education platform. Voter information is super important. If you're already involved, it's a great event to help encourage other people who need to get off their bums and into the culture war, into political activism to do so. It's a great entry-level event for everybody. That's November 5. Head to churchandstate.com.au forward slash Adelaide to get your tickets to that. And uh, the master website, churchandstate.com.au, also has tickets on sale for the uh, annual summit, which is in Brisbane March next year. Those are on sale now as well. Uh, now, George, talk to us about uh, the National Identity Bill and the things we need to understand uh, in that issue before we wrap up the show for today. Yeah, look, thanks, David. Well, while we were uh, punching on both proverbially and metaphorically as a, uh, or, or realistically and metaphorically as a, uh, as a movement, and um, while I've been doing Bob Catter impersonations, the, uh, the, the globalists and the, um, the tyrants have been uh, putting forward their own uh, campaign that will usurp our freedom once again. And David, I've just shared uh, a screen. I'm not sure if you can see that and bring that up. Uh, but this was in the Australian Financial Review the other day. Um, you know, the, the, this uh, this Optus hack, and you know, some people that are saying it's a false flag, some people that are saying uh, uh, that you never let a good uh, crisis go to waste, whatever the case mm. is that, uh, it is now the trigger and there's always going to be something like this right a trigger for a digital identity system so you know here is this uh big corporate um big telco optus that's got all of our identity uh, digitally on their system uh there's a hack uh that's then stolen and potentially had the uh, had the risk of being put right across the internet for many to see and government's answer to this problem is that we need to actually have a national identity system so this can't happen. Well, if an organisation like Optus can cop a breach like this, um, how, how are we guaranteed that government's not going to do it? And, look, that is is the innocent... Well, the answer's part. obvious, George. Bureaucracies yeah. are always more efficient and effective than uh, private enterprise. Yeah, well, not. well, um, I, I'm... I'm not sure of that, but I, I want to, <laughs> right. if I can, uh, no, I'm not going to be able to share something else with you, but I, I've, I've got to, sorry, I thought I'd be able to do that. I, I've got a slide um, that's on my screen, but not on yours. And it talks about the path to total surveillance. And I'm not over-egging this, David. 
Uh, we've no, already had vaccine passports, um, which we have railed against, and it is uh, right. that was the prototype. That was the prototype. Can mm -hmm. governments actually uh, control the population through these uh, certificates? Um, you know, we can, and they can. They can mm -hmm. stop you from getting a job. They can make you lose your job. They can uh, stop you from going to certain places. Uh, they can control your movement, essentially. Uh, so then we're going to say, well, how do we make this permanent? That's what the globalists, those out of the World Economic Forum and many in government and bureaucracy start to think now. And the digital identity system provides the platform for it all to happen. You link that to another thing that's being pushed, which is central banking digital currencies. Uh, suddenly you have the platform there for a social credit system. It's inbuilt mm. into the two. Uh, and then it's game over. It really is game over from there on in. So uh, this is why I would say that we need to get away from the internecine warfare. We need to stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on the next fight. And this digital identity system is the next fight. If you think that, that the fight was just all about vaccine passports, well, this and the end result is going to be vaccine passports on steroid times infinity. It really is. This is going to lead to permanent, permanent control, permanent invasion of our privacies. And if we are to stop it from happening, or at least postpone it, uh, we need to be in this fight and we need to win the fight. Digital identity happens. Watch how quickly that snowball rolls down the hill and just becomes an avalanche. An avalanche that's going to destroy freedom, liberty and privacy in this country and in many other Western nations where it's being pushed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's a huge concern, and it's uh, why we do this show. Uh, this show reaches a startlingly small amount of people, given the the fantastic conversations that are happening here. Important, meaty, and difficult conversations. Uh, we used to reach a whole lot more. George used to reach a whole lot more. Uh, shadow banning conservatives is uh, just the thing to do right now. The only way to fight back is for you, the viewer, to put your hand in your pocket, take out 10 bucks and uh, sponsor the content that you like, whether on The Good Source or Chris Coveries or Nation First or all of the above um, and become a monthly supporter of the independent media who is telling you the truth um, because there is no way to monetize this using big tech other than the voluntary support of of conservatives and right-thinking people who want a truly independent media uh, and a broad diet, uh, a varied diet, diverse diet with all of the, the different priorities and, and prejudices that people bring to these conversations. Uh, that honesty isn't possible with a monocultured uh, media, which is the lying harlot media. We, we need your support to keep going uh, and once you've become that financial supporter and even before, uh, the very least you need to do to help fight the algorithms which are uh, stacked against and, and rigged against conservatives and right thinking is you need to share the heck out of this content. Uh, share it from the websites where it's posted. Uh, this episode right now is available to be watched on goodsource.news. Uh, and go there, share that onto your social media channels. Break the algorithm, algorithms 
by just making the original source shared over and over and over. That helps beat sensors and algorithms. So uh, please go ahead and do that. Uh, your financial and social support is uh, very much uh, appreciated. And thank you to the people who are so generous and have been so long to keep the Good Source platform going. Well, uh, if this is the first time you've met George Christensen and, uh, and Krista Bruin from Chris Coveries, then uh, I'm very happy that you've had the chance today to meet them and uh, learn more about them and uh, perhaps support them as well. Uh, and we thank you for your comments and for sharing this information. And uh, that's it for this episode of Pello Talk. Uh, gentlemen, before we go, 30 seconds, any final words to, to wrap up? You, Chris. <laughs> Hashtag Freedom Unity. You can move the decision makers who you don't know the names of quite significantly just with a few comments here and there. Reach them, mention it to them. They do read the comments and they do listen to them. And with a few um, pointed, you guys should be working together more closely, I believe will make more difference than any protest, than any letter writing campaign, than anything else. Because the votes are there. They're just scattered across a, a smattering of different parties which aren't really working closely enough that need to find a way to internally resolve their differences, argue and hash them out. And the only way they're going to do that is with people like myself, yourself, encouraging that. Because right now, 12 to 13% of the population or more, 15% by some measures, is totally disenfranchised. You've got Babette, sure. But other than that, they're almost totally disenfranchised. And that is a really dangerous powder keg that we're seeing play out in the streets of Melbourne. Indeed. Yeah, look, I agree with Chris, uh, hashtag freedom unity. And, uh, you know, if we had it, we would have, we had 15% of the vote, I think, or roughly around that anyway, maybe a little bit less uh, at the last yeah. federal election, but we certainly don't have 15% of the representation. So uh, mm. we need to do better. And that means get united. And I would add, we need to focus on the task at hand, focus on the central mission, which is for freedom, for liberty, uh, and against oppression and tyranny. And that's why I say we need to focus right now on stopping this digital identity system. So we start off with hashtag freedom unity and let's end with hashtag stop digital ID. Yeah, love it, hashtag stop digital ID. Well, if you're still watching, you're obviously not part of the problem. You've not been offended so much that you uh, put your fingers in your ears and, and turned off. Thanks for uh, sticking around and thanks for that uh, mature <laughs> stickability. You're part of the solution. Help share this message, share this video, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time on Palo Talk. Goodbye. Today, we need a special kind of courage, not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.